Hello and welcome back to season 2 of Forensic Diaries podcast featured by Forensic Times. My name is Shweta, your host for today's episode. Today I'll be telling you about another nerve-wracking case that is the vampire rapist case and how the case was solved with the help of forensic orthodontist and how the vampire rapist was nabbed. So stick around to know more about this horrendous criminal and you'll find out how forensic science can even catch vampires. <laughs> So back in late 1960s the streets in Montreal were gripped in constant fear. This was because a 26-year-old charming sexual sadist was lurking in open. Wayne Clifford Bowden, believed to be a patron of sadomasochism, which means a person who derives sexual gratification from the infliction of physical pain or humiliation either on another person or on oneself. started raping young women and killing them by strangulation while leaving his bite marks on their breast because of these bite marks left on the victim's body he was called as vampire rapist for nearly 2 years he single-handedly sustained a reign of terror with attacks that shook the world with its horrific barbaric ferocity in october of 1969 a woman named shirley odet was found dead at the rear of an apartment complex in the alley at the rear of the building her fully clothed body was found at the bottom of the fire escape when a reporter on the scene asked about a bit of the blood around her nostrils one of the detectives informed him that it was a common result of being strangled which was later confirmed to be true Shirley had been strangled and raped and had savage bite marks on her breast. Also noted was that Shirley did not have any bloody skin around her fingernails, leading some investigators to believe that Shirley may have known her attacker. At least enough that when the attack happened, it was such a surprise that she was unable to effectively defend herself. Shirley had mentioned to a friend earlier that she was getting into something dangerous. but didn't explain anything more than that an ex-boyfriend of shirley's told police that he thought shirley might have gotten romantically involved into a violent man in november a jewelry clerk named mariel finished her work and left with a man named bill the next day however shirley did not show up for work his employer called but mariel did not answer her phone so he went to her apartment and with the help of the landlady they entered her apartment they found her lifeless body fully clothed on the couch she had been raped and strangled once again there were bite marks on the breast and there didn't seem to be any struggle in the apartment her bra and pantyhose had been ripped but the apartment itself looked to be in order it made police believe once again that the victim knew the attacker during the search of the apartment police found a photograph that they couldn't immediately identify it didn't look like any of mariel's friend so they asked her co-workers if they recognized the man in the photo the co-workers were sure that the picture was of bill after mo- some more investigation including distributing the photo to the public the photo was actually a picture of mariel's deceased father The public finally found out that the police suspected that there was a serial killer stalking the young women of Montreal named Bill and that he probably met his victims in a bar before going home with them. People were on high alert for any suspicious individual and in the world of journalists Steve Koch even mentioned that 
if you met a woman in a bar and said your name was Bill, you didn't have a hope in hell of taking that girl home. In January 1970, a woman named Jean Way would be the final victim of vampire rapist in Montreal. Jean's boyfriend had come by to pick her up as they were going on a date, but when he arrived and knocked Jean's door, she didn't answer. Thinking that she was still getting ready, he left and went to a bar. Waited there for half an hour and returned and knocked again. He turned the doorknob and discovered that it was unlocked, so he entered the apartment calling Jean's name. Jean's body was found naked lying on her bed, but this time the victim did not have bite marks on her breast. Police later believed that when Jean's boyfriend had originally arrived to pick her up for their date, he actually interrupted Wayne Borden in the act of raping and strangling Jean. Once again, though the police came to a dead end in the investigation. Pe- People were scared. They expected another murder, but it wouldn't come, at least not in Montreal. Wayne Borden, the vampire rapist, relocated from Montreal to Calgary in May of 1971, where he would strike again. Elizabeth N. A. Porteous, a school teacher, didn't show up for work. Concerned co-workers called her apartment manager, who then entered Elizabeth's apartment. Her apartment showed signs of major struggle. Elizabeth's body was found on the bedroom floor. She had been raped and strangled, and her breast had bite marks. The bite marks were so horrific that an investigator said that her breast was bitten so hard that the bottom teeth had pierced the skin and then pierced the skin on the other side again. During the struggle, Elizabeth's attacker had grabbed her shirt and ripped it off, flinging the buttons of the shirt all over the room, which were found by the police. When Elizabeth's body was sent to get an autopsy, the doctors discovered a very important clue. While moving her body on the table, a small metallic object fell on the operating table. It was stuck in Elizabeth's back. When Elizabeth struggled with her attacker, his cufflink had fallen on the floor and she had fallen on the top of it. Another important clue was Elizabeth's co-worker stated that she had mentioned to them that she was going out on a date. And a sheer coincidence, these co-workers happened to see Elizabeth in her car while waiting at a stoplight. They took notice because they wanted to get a look at this new man she was with. They were able to give an accurate description of the car and the man driving, right down to the bobblehead in the back window. When a car matching the description was found parked near the murder scene, even with the bobblehead in the back window, police found that it was registered to a man named Wayne Borden and he also lived nearby. When asked, Wayne agreed to come down to the police station to answer a few questions. During questioning, Wayne admitted to being the owner of the cufflink. While being questioned, police searched his apartment and during the search, they found the missing button from Elizabeth's shirt. For the very first time in Canada, police contacted Gordon Swan, an orthodontist. He was able to prove the bite marks on Shirley, Muriel and Elizabeth was from Wayne Borden. He later would admit to have raped and murdered Shirley, Muriel, Jean and Elizabeth. Wayne Borden was convicted of the rape and murder of Elizabeth Anapotius and sentenced to life in prison and was the first person in Canada convicted on the basis of orthodontological evidences. Later he was also convicted of the rape and murders of Shirley, Muriel and Jean 
and received three additional life sentences. Though the story of vampire rapist is not over yet. Somehow, during his incarceration, Wayne was able to receive an American Express card. And while on a day pass from prison, he escaped custody by crawling through a restaurant's bathroom window. Luckily, he didn't rape or murder anybody during the time of his escape and was found several days later. American Express conducted an internal investigation to find out how a detainee serving a lifelong sentence managed to get a credit card. Wayne Bowden died of cancer at the age of 58. So we just saw how forensic science can help nab a vampire too, even vampires have no escape here. So with this, we have reached the end of today's episode. I'm Shweta signing off and we'll hopefully meet here soon again when I'll bring another interesting crime story which was solved with the help of forensic science. Till then, be safe, keep your surroundings clean and you can also join us at forensictimes at gmail.com. Bye-bye.